Well, hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. And I'm talking to you early in the morning, at least for me. It's like 10.30 a.m. I know that's crazy, right? Did you know? I know you're like, I've already been out for 10 hours already. What are you talking about early? Well, that's the whole reason I'm a business owner, because I'm incapable of doing anything before 11 a.m. It just is just how it is. You know, if I have to be somewhere at 9 or 10 in the morning, I got to get up at like 5 a.m. to get my act together. I was going to use a different word besides act, but I caught myself because it's morning and I'm alert. Anyway, I just got back from spending a few days in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Have you ever been to Asbury Park, New Jersey? Well, let me tell you. It's quite a town. I mean, I've watched the, uh, all the whole Michigash, Michigas, Michigash, whatever you want to say, for Asbury Park. When I was a little girl a million years ago, when we said we were going to the city, we weren't going to New York City. We were going to Asbury Park, New Jersey. It was so exciting. There was a main drag called Cookman Avenue, still there, still the main drag. And there was a big, exciting store, kind of like Macy's in New York, called Steinbeck's. It was so exciting. We'd go up the escalator with my mother, and women would spray my mother with perfume, and there were all kinds of racks of exciting, expensive things. And I don't remember if my mother ever bought anything in Steinbeck's, but I know we spent a lot of time there. And it was exciting. And then when we would get to the boardwalk, forget it. There was a big casino where old ladies would sit with these cocktails with cherries floating in them. And they would play these games with wild names. I think one was called Fascination. It was so exciting. And on the other side of the boardwalk was Convention Hall, which was also exciting. That's where rock concerts would be and professional wrestling, as it turns out. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Anyway, but then there were all these rides that we loved as kids, like bumper cars and Ferris wheel. I mean, all these great, it was just so exciting. And there was a big amusement complex called the Palace. And it wasn't gorgeous on the outside. On the outside, it just looked like a kind of a concrete structure. And there was a big painting of this crazy face that looked like the Mad Magazine guy's face. But my friend Ronnie Hout's father ran the carousel in the Palace Amusements. So we would get free tickets and I would trade them in for the James Bond action figurines. I mean, it was really exciting. And then uh, things kind of started to fall apart. And I've heard some experts, some hoity types, haughty, not hoity, haughty types. You know, they explained to me it was because even though Asbury Park was the darling, uh, certainly of New Jersey, but really in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, really a darling. It was full of all these very European style hotels that maybe had a shared bath or, you know, or maybe were just small you know, kind of European style. Like, did you ever go to a hotel in Europe? We're Americans. We're looking for some giant room. In Europe, you might get five rooms for the size of that giant room. Well, the European-style hotel ran out of fashion, my dear. And, you know, Americans wanted more. They wanted a big, giant room at, like, at the Ramada Inn or something. 
And so little by little, the hotels couldn't stay in business and they started renting them out to kind of transient types because people who want to live in a little hotel room, well, for the most part, they probably are a little on the funky side. Now, that could mean that they were a cool rock and roll musician who didn't have much money, but it could also mean that they were a drug addict or a drug dealer. And, you know, once you started kind of filling these places up with people who couldn't normally rent an apartment, you started getting rough and ready characters. And so Asbury started getting rough and ready. And then in the 70s, it just, be, it just really all went to hell. It got to be so dangerous in Asbury Park that I would really kind of compare it to the way people talked about the South Bronx in the 70s in terms of danger. And it really kind of broke my heart because I loved Asbury Park. But um, the cool thing there's always a silver lining, was that when all the businesses closed and all of the people who were delicate ran away, we're going to call it what it is, white flight, all the white people ran away. When all that started happening, there opened up, Asbury kind of opened up its arms for other kinds of things. And so it became enormously gay friendly. And to be out and gay in New Jersey in the 70s and even in the 80s, really, you had to be kind of brave. Certainly in my hometown, you could really get beaten up for being out of the closet. Well, certainly if you were a guy, if you were a gay man and you were out of the closet, you had a good chance of getting punched where I grew up in New Jersey. If you were a gay woman and you were out of the closet, you had a very good chance of being really sexually harassed where I grew up. But of course, if you were a straight woman, you had a good chance of being sexually harassed too. So there's that. Anyway, so I, my first gay club was the Odyssey in Asbury Park. I joined theater and my theater crowd. They were so great and a lot of them were much older. We had fabulous, gorgeous Annie who was in her 20s, which I thought, wow, in her 20s, she was worldly. And Magdalena, who was in her 20s, worldly. And Lauren, who was in her 20s, so worldly. And Matthew, who was, I don't know, three or four years older than me. Anyway, this whole group, they, I sort of became their pet. And Matthew would dress me up in these thrift store outfits. And they would take me to the Odyssey in Asbury Park, which had a kind of a Saturday Night Fever-style dance floor. And no one asked me for ID. I was 15. I was having cocktails. And I danced with the drag queens on the dance floor. And it was so exciting. It was really exciting. And then another gay club, or at least gay-friendly club, opened up called the M&K, which was giant. I think it was like three or four floors. And my theater friends formed a lip-syncing new wave group that they called the Punk Light Opera and they would get up on the stage and they would do these whole shows to the music of Klaus Nomi, who you've probably never heard of, but he was fabulous, kind of like a punk rock opera singer and much more wild and, and outrageous than anything Lady Gaga has ever done. Seriously wonderful. No offense to you, Gaga. I love you. And I was born this way. But uh, anyway, so it was all kinds of excitement in Asbury Park. But you really had to kind of watch your tushy. And then I moved to New York, and I really had to watch my tushy, and my life moved on. But many years later, I started hearing about the slow-bubbling renaissance of Asbury Park. 
which was that a lot of gay men from New York really started going into Asbury Park and buying up the property and slowly turning these ruined Victorian houses into beautifully renovated Victorian houses and these dilapidated buildings into kind of Soho lofts. Anyway, slowly, 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 it started to come back. And every time I would go to Asbury and see a new restaurant open or a tiki bar on the boardwalk, the boardwalk and the beach was always free. The rest of Jersey wanted to pay, but not Asbury. But then again, if you went to the beach in Asbury, you had a good chance of being mugged. So, you know, potatoes, potatoes. Anyway, but it started to come back. Unfortunately, as it came back, so did the prices. They started to charge to go to the beach. The $20 dinners were now $80 dinners. You know, the property that you could buy for $100,000 was now a million dollars. So, well, there you have it. We know a lot about that in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and everywhere else, too. That the second everything gets fabulous, the prices shoot up. But I still have a love affair with Asbury Park. I love the architecture And I love it when people save the architecture instead of knocking it down. Like the biggest horror in Asbury is when they knocked down my beloved palace amusements. And everyone was so broken up and heartbroken and really to this day upset about it that they took this symbol of the madman, you know, from the mad mad magazine face, smiley face guy, who I think is called Tilly. T-I-L-L-Y. And they made his face kind of like the symbol of Asbury. So you see the Tilly face everywhere. You see it at the famous Wonder Bar, which has some great bands. I don't think you see it at the Stone Pony because they have their own identity. But you see it everywhere else. And now more and more and more people are trying to save Asbury. The casino is in ruins and half of it they had to take down from being underwater too long. But I'm hoping and praying that they save it. Convention Hall is still there, and it's got restaurants and bars inside, and they're always working on it. And one day, hopefully before I die, they'll finish it. What the hell is taking you guys so long? But it's like the old bowling alley, which I really was afraid they were going to tear down. They saved it and renovated it and turned it into a gorgeous bowling alley, restaurant, nightclub, and even a diner. The old Salvation Army building, they saved it and turned it into a fabulous hotel. And a lot of these old falling apart houses, they've saved them and turned them into gorgeous houses. So Asbury, keep on saving your architecture because it's gorgeous. Anyway, but I digress and I digress and I digress. My girlfriend and I had a little time off after so much rain. Oh my God, the rain in New York. It's Last Friday was ridiculous. And every half hour, I would get these alerts on my phone. Don't leave the house. Flash flood warning. Hide. Stay home. But I had an appointment in Tribeca with the world-famous curly girl hairdresser, Lorraine Massey. You got to Google her. If you have curly hair, Google her. Anyway, so I just assumed flash flood warning, the FDR's underwater, don't leave your house. I just assumed my appointment was canceled. But when I called the receptionist, she said, no, everyone's coming in. Is Lorraine coming in? Yes. And Lorraine went out in that pouring rain with half the highways underwater in the flood, and she got herself into the salon. So I said, if Lorraine can come in, I'm coming in too. But of course, you couldn't go on the subway because a lot of the subways were flooded. You couldn't go on the FDR. So I managed to get an Uber 
that hiked up the price where you could probably buy an apartment for what they hike these prices up for. And I took the longest, highest traffic jam gridlock ride and made it to get my hair cut. What do you know? Now that makes me seem like a princess, right? That I went out in what probably felt like Hurricane Sandy to get my hair cut. But one simply does not cancel an appointment with the goddess Lorraine. And if you've ever had a haircut from her, you'll understand. Anyway, it was fabulous and she's fabulous and now I have a great haircut. But the problem is that I could not take an Uber home or a taxi home or the subway home because the subway was underwater and there was gridlock where you couldn't eat. You could run, you could tiptoe faster than traffic. So I went out in the storm with my umbrella, believe it or not, and I walked all the way home. New Yorkers will understand how far this is. I walked all the way from Tribeca to the East Village. And by the time I got to the East Village, I felt like I had just come back from Antarctica. Not that I was frozen, but the wind and the rain and the flooding and oh, a lot of chazarai. Chazarai. But I did it. I did it. And then, you know what? I came home, I closed the door, and I just said, oh, my Lord, you know. But I had a great haircut, so maybe I really am a Jewish American princess. I own it. I'm proud of it. Whatever. But so after all of that terrible rain and the flooding, and yes, I had flooding in my apartment building and in my kitchen. Oy. After all of that, we got four of the most beautiful days I've ever experienced in New York and Jersey and hopefully where you are too. It was in the 70s and even crept up to, I think, the low 80s at one point with a beautiful breeze and gorgeous So my girlfriend and I went to Asbury Park, New Jersey. It was still raining when we got there, Saturday night. And some of Asbury was really underwater. This road I love going around, lake on, the entire road was underwater and all the houses did not have a sidewalk. The sidewalk was underwater. So the water went right up to their front door. So I feel sorry for all those houses and their basements because I know how that feels. But the next day, granted, everything was a little moist. It was just gorgeous. And we walked forever on the boardwalk. We walked to Ocean Grove. We walked to Bradley Beach. We saw wonderful friends. We had fabulous food. We swam in a heated pool, which was so exciting in Asbury Park. Not that we needed a heated pool. It was gorgeous, but it was so fabulous. And... Right there, an hour and a half from New York City, we felt that we were a million miles away. And the other thing that was really cool is Asbury is a rock and roll town. That is the heart of Asbury. Bruce Springsteen, the Asbury Jukes, the Stone Pony, John Bon Jovi, all of this is the undercurrent of Asbury. It's a Bruce Springsteen, Stone Pony kind of town. So you always hear some great rock and roll. But they decided to do this thing while we were there. I think they call it the Porch Festival. I think the Porch Festival or something. Where all over town on people's front porches are world-class rock bands just jamming. And so everywhere you turned, you heard this great classic rock. I mean, it was pretty exciting. It really got me jazzed up. I felt like I was back in high school. Because you know I'm the ultimate rock and roll chick. Now, I have to tell you the truth. In high school, I was force-fed Bruce Springsteen. Like, you almost had to like Bruce Springsteen. But I was into punk rock and new wave. 
And when I was in high school, you could get almost, well, you could get beaten up for being a punk rocker. They didn't want you to be gay, and they didn't want you to be a punk rocker. And so the same people who were force-feeding me, Bruce Springsteen, wanted to beat you up for liking the Sex Pistols. So probably because of that, I really hated Bruce Springsteen. I didn't want anything to do with him. No offense, Bruce, I friggin' hated you. What did I like? I liked the Ramones. I loved, oh, Blondie. Hey, baby, Debbie Harry, forget it. I love Blondie. I love the Runaways. I love Joan Jett, who branched off from the Runaways and never looked back. I love the talking heads, the police, you know, the clash. This was my jam, the Ramones, rock, rock, rock away, beach, loved it all. And Asbury Park was one of the few places you could go to hear my kind of music because they were so welcoming, whereas the rest of Jersey wasn't. But here now you hear all kinds of music in Asbury and rock and roll is really, really, really the heartbeat of Asbury, the stone pony amazing. So I would say if you're into great food and the ocean and rock and roll, that's where you want to go. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? There I go. So I've had a great few days and now I'm back in New York. You know, time to pay the piper. I had to go to work. I had to make sure all the flooding was gone. I had to pay the bills. You know, all of that is not so sexy, but I got away and you got to love it. You know, and it's still beautiful. I'm going to go for a long walk all the way through the city with my girlfriend. And get this, we were invited to a dinner, yes we were, at Gracie Mansion. That's like the mayor's mansion. I've never been inside, you know. For a long time, I didn't think they'd let me inside because I had pink hair, you know, because I was gay. But it's a different world now. Everything's different. So maybe it doesn't feel like that in Kentucky. And maybe it doesn't feel like that in Florida. I mean, how much gay money has Florida had between, is it Disneyland or Disney World in Florida? I I think it's Disneyland in Florida. Or Disney World, one or the other. A lot of gay money through Disney. A lot of gay money through Miami. I mean, the gay community saved Miami. The gay community filled their Fort Lauderdale with all that green. Key West, forget it. All that gay money in Florida And we got this dingleberry who wants to ban books, ban drag queens, refuse to say gay, refuse to let anyone else say gay. I mean, forget it. We should just take all our money away, right? Except that I hate all the innocent people who are being hurt by this who really love gay people and really love gay money. So I don't know. I think we just got to get rid of the dingleberry. You know what I mean? There's a lot of them these days. So... Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or gay or straight or black or white, you've got to admit, anyone who's made a career out of hatred is probably someone who has to go. You know, hate is not cool. So I was reading something recently that I really liked, which is that, you know how you get all freaked out by things, you get all stressed out and upset, Some, something bad happens. Let's face it, bad things happen every day. I had a naturopath doctor tell me, every day you leave the house, it's like you're at war. Things are coming at you constantly. And there may be nothing whatsoever you can do about it. I mean, maybe you can step aside or duck. But for the most part, all this crap is coming at you. But what you can do is control what you do with your feelings about it. How you react to it. So, like I have things every day that are stressful. 
And it used to be I'd get stressed out and I kind of like feel it in my stomach and I'd get stomach pains and acid reflux, you know, anxiety kind of ruins your health. And now, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but now I'm working on when this stressful thing happens that I write it down on a piece of paper. This just happened. This horrible thing just happened and describe it. Maybe even write down how I felt, you know, oh, my stomach clenched up, or I grinded my teeth, you know. And then say, okay, now I choose to just not do that. I recognize it's terrible. I recognize I have to do something about it. But I choose to not take it inside my body. I choose instead, for instance, a terrible thing did in fact happen to me yesterday morning. And I choose, yes, I cho- well, I didn't do a good job choosing yesterday morning, but I was able to get over it. But I choose now to simply deal with it, do what I can to fix it, which I already have. In this case, I alerted the authorities. It was, it was a crime. There's a lot of that going around, unfortunately, in this world. I alerted the, the authorities, and I've done what I can do about it. And what I can do now is not let it be inside me. I can listen to the birds. I can walk in the sun. I can feel the breeze. I can talk to you. I can be grateful for the fact that I'm in a really comfortable apartment, sitting on a really cool leather couch, and that I actually have a fireplace. Very few people in New York have a fireplace, and it actually works. I mean, there's a lot to be grateful for. I have great friends. I have a fabulous girlfriend. I mean, there were so many years in my life. I was like, when, oh, when, oh, when will I have a girlfriend who doesn't lie, who doesn't cheat, who isn't a raging alcoholic, who isn't a thief, who isn't, um, you know, horrible (laughs) in all those ways. And now I have a really nice girlfriend who's kind and honest and decent, and she's not an alcoholic, and she's not a drug addict addict and she's a good person and she likes me and she listens to my podcast you know that's a lot to be grateful for right so I'm going to spend time dealing with gratitude you know what I mean jelly bean that's my new thing to say but also I came across something Oprah said when I was talking about how you get to choose what you do with your feelings so the feeling you know this bad thing happens and right away you get you know, anxious and upset, and you'll get all these feelings about it, but you get to choose what you do after that. And so I read this thing that Oprah said that I like. I'm going to try and remember it. Feel the feel, but take the wheel. I'll say it again. Feel the feel, but take the wheel. So your girlfriend just dumped you. You feel really upset and really sad and really brokenhearted, and your whole body feels like it's collapsing, and you want to just crawl up into a hole and blow away, right? Well, feel it. It really did happen. It really is terrible. And then don't take it inside. Choose to not, ta- to not go any further with that. Choose to take that and reprogram yourself. Okay, I lost her. Is there any fixing it? Could you go to couples counselor? You know, you can start thinking about that. If it's unfixable or you don't want to fix it and it's just a big loss, then feel it and now choose what you're going to do with it. Okay, so now you've had this loss, but that means you also have a really big space ready to be filled. Filled with music, with art, with poetry, with walking on the beach, with time with friends, with time with yourself, with yoga, with meditation, with Netflix, you know, 
There's lots of things you can fill it with, so there's always some good you can reach for. Anyway, I, you know that's not my style to be all weird and preachy like that, but I just kind of am doing this myself, so I'm sharing it with you. Now, I realize I haven't said anything once again about food because I'm a blabbermouth. Remember Jackie Gleason? You are a blabbermouth. Well, this week I have to make my famous vegan mac and cheese fritters. They are so good. If I ever make them for you, you're going to be so happy. But, but you can't have them if you're allergic to nuts. So you soak cashews, raw cashews, in coconut milk. Put that aside. You boil potatoes and carrots and onions forever in a lot of water till it's totally mush. Put that aside. Then you puree your mushy carrots and onions and potatoes. You want to have all that wet. And you also puree your cashews soaked in the coconut milk until it makes a paste. Actually, you may want to do it in two different batches, but you mix it together. So now you've got the pureed onion and potato and carrot and the soaked cashews and coconut milk are pureed. And you add fresh lemon juice and you add a ton, I mean, 10 times more than you think, of nutritional yeast, you know, the cheddar cheese flavored nutritional yeast and all kinds of seasoning, celery, salt. I love a lot of paprika in this and a lot of white pepper and black pepper, really everything you want, maybe some garlic powder, knock yourself out. Get this big flavorful, saucy orange batch that looks kind of like a mac and cheese sauce. Then you boil your macaroni. In my case, I choose to do gluten-free macaroni. You mix it with this sauce and it really winds up looking like mac and cheese. It's so good. Put it all into a big baking dish, and that's it. You're not baking it. You're putting it in the fridge. Then the next day, you roll it into balls when it's ice cold, and then you roll it into Frank's buffalo sauce or Frank's hot sauce. That's my favorite. you got this buffalo action. And then you roll it into breadcrumbs, and I do gluten-free breadcrumbs. So you've got the mac and cheese, vegan mac and cheese ball rolled in the buffalo sauce, rolled in the breadcrumbs. And no egg, no nothing, it's vegan. At that point, we put all those balls, great balls of fire, put them in the freezer. And then when we're ready to party, we deep fry them. And you get this crazy, amazing buffalo flavored mac and cheese fritter. And I serve them to people all the time, and they cannot believe that they're vegan because you really taste that heavy cheddar. It comes from the nutritional yeast mixed with the lemon and the buffalo, the whole thing. I'm telling you, you can't believe how awesome it is. I'm making a big old batch of them for a wedding I'm catering this week. So if you're lucky, you're a guest at that wedding. And if you're not lucky, you'll just have to salivate and think about it. But I'm presently feeling grateful for the fact that I had four fabulous days in Asbury Beach with Asbury Park with great weather. I walked on the beach and put my feet in the water in the ocean, which is a great thing to do in October. I got to go swimming in a swimming pool in October. I got to just spend time with great friends. Wonderful, the wonderful LaVanche Weber. This is a shout out to LaVanche Weber. She's the mom of my best friend from high school, Jenny Weber. And she was not happy when Jenny brought me home because LaVanche was and is a very fine and fabulous and cultured woman, a very Vogue magazine sort of woman. 
you know, she could hang with Kitty Carlisle Hart or Gloria Vanderbilt, you know, a really cultured woman. And when Jenny brought me home looking like a lesbian, ruffian, punk rocker, white trash freak, she was not too happy. But now she loves me. She's older. She's 96 years old and still reads the New York Times every day. She is smart and feisty, and now she loves me. And she's reached a place of tranquility in her life. And she said she's never been, she felt so happy and tranquil. And I thought, well, that's what life is about, if you can say that at 96 years old. You know, obviously she's not Jewish. We'd be like, I'm tranquil, but I have hemorrhoids. I'm tranquil, but I have agita. You know, we like to complain. But anyway... Hats out to you, LaVange. You are my new role model. This is Rossi, Big Mouth Rossi, ranting and raving for raging and eating. And as always, food is love and so are you.